Welcome to another episode of Houston. We have a podcast. Um, as we spoke about last week, we changed up our format. Uh, last week, we did some uh, reviews of new movies that we have seen. Uh, and this week, we are getting back to our uh, kind of more fun segments that we have. Um, I guess I'll call them shenanigan episodes uh, <laughs> as we come up with some new idea to talk about movies. Um, on this episode in particular, uh, because we're deep into the uh, 2020 coronavirus quarantine and we're all a bit down in the dumps a bit, uh, we thought what better way to uh, boost our spirits than watching a bunch of miserable disease movies. Uh, so that's what we've been doing with our time. Uh, we've been watching about disease and, and seeing people get infected. Um, and now we are here to rank those movies. Um, and to do that, we have uh, brought in an expert. Uh, so Mina, you were here last episode. Welcome back. Thanks for uh, so you are, uh, I guess, particularly passionate about this subject, and you're excited about watching these movies. So how about you uh, tell us why? Yeah, so the reason why I'm so excited to do this, and again, thanks for having me on the show, is really my so my background, what I've been in school for for the last seven years, uh, graduated last year. So what I've been in school for is infectious disease, and I actually give kind of talks about infectious disease and things like that. So uh, I guess just to give a little snapshot of my educational background, I did my master's at the public health lab in Ontario. So I studied epidemiology and the infection of this one uh, bacteria called Legionella pneumophila. So it causes like a respiratory disease, kind of like COVID-19. Um, also then after that, I did my PhD. So I am technically a doctor and I have one credit card that says Dr. Mina. The rest <laughs> I don't because I felt like that would be too douchey. Anyways, so my, my PhD uh, was also on infectious disease with a focus on like foodborne pathogens, so salmonella and listeria, and also how the immune system kind of senses and responds to those types of pathogens. So infectious disease is something that I'm really passionate about. And actually right now in my current job, so I work at a healthcare investment bank where I'm one of the science technical leads where I basically evaluate the technology that these biotech companies or pharma companies bring in to see how good it is. So the reason why I'm particularly excited about this podcast is I am hoping to talk about, you know, how legitimate the science is in these movies. And given that I do this kind of for a living, uh, not all infectious related, I think this should be a lot of fun and I can kind of share, you know, that process with you a little bit. Nice. Well, we are excited to have your credibility to the show. Uh, I'll definitely be introducing you as Dr. Mina on our uh, on our title for this episode, um, and you can tell us how uh, how actually correct some of these movies are, of, like point out where they're definitely false. Um, so obviously, there's like there's a lot of disease movies out there. There's a lot that we could have picked for this. Uh, we went with ten. I don't know if I'd say that's like the top ten disease movies, but uh, we felt like it uh, movies that provided like a variety on the type of infectious diseases that you see in movies. Uh, so those 10 movies, uh, which you'll be ranking, I'll just list them out here. Uh, so we have Outbreak, Andromeda Strain, uh, Quarantine, Contagion, Blindness, World War Z, 28 Weeks Later, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, 12 Monkeys, and Cabin Fever. And so you're going to be counting down uh, which of these you felt were best uh, based on criteria that I'm not yet aware of. Uh, so how about you share what that criteria would be? Yeah, so I guess I really wanted to focus 
in terms of evaluating it, like on the realisticness. Although I would say maybe five percent or ten percent of evaluation is how much I enjoyed it, of course, because you know they're movies, and you're supposed to watch movies for entertainment. So have to take that into account to a certain extent. But the rest of it, I would say, is kind of broken up into two portions. One is how realistic uh, the infection is. So when I say that, I mean like how rapidly it would spread likelihood of people being resistant or not, you know, like how people would identify things like that, kind of the science. And then the second part is kind of like the the personal aspect, like how the government would respond, how people would panic and things like that. I think that's actually a very important part of infectious disease and disease in general, because I think, you know, as people panic, as I think we have real life examples of this now, like, or or don't panic for that matter and don't take it seriously, <laughs> then you spread it much, much more and it gets much, much worse. Especially something that is infectious, that's clearly an important kind of point of like kind of debate. So I guess really I'm going to talk about scientific factuality and likelihood of spread in kind of the social aspect. And then of course how fun it was. So yeah, that those are the criteria. Does that make sense? Yeah, was that clear? Yeah, I think the realism factor is kind of an interesting point because, like, there's a few of these movies where I feel like the response from the world was almost more real than what our reality today is. It's like it's almost like we're living yeah. in unreality right now. Um, oh, yeah, I, I totally agree. That, that's that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it, too, because I'm also curious, like, you know, what you guys think about the, like, you know, government response to some of these infections in the movie because, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just, it makes no sense, and sometimes it's like what you would expect. But yeah, we'll we'll get to that, I guess, as we go through them. Also, well, I forgot all to... I can say about that is that I'm glad we're not uh, we're not dealing with the rage virus from 28 weeks later, because we, judging by our response right now, we would not last <laughs> 28, 28 weeks, 28, 28 hours. <laughs> like my right to be rage if I want to be. <laughs> the god-given right to be enraged god wants us to be raged that's why he sent it <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> anyways yeah so um all right go ahead. Well, yeah <laughs> let's uh let's jump right into it what was your uh number 10 yeah so the one that Wait, i thought was sorry sorry before, before we get into it let, maybe we should list the actual like all i, the I did already Oh, you did. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Wait, did you? Oh, you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. My bad. That's okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So the number ten. So the worst one in terms of accuracy, which I mean, maybe you can kind of already guess what this is, is World War Z. Or uh, sorry, is Twelve Monkeys for several reasons. One, time travel. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think that kind of speaks to itself. Two, like, they don't really talk about how this virus is spread, but somehow it decimates the entire world and they're forced to live underground. Um, then it just doesn't make sense to me that people, like, how would a virus just not go underground? Quite frankly, viruses don't care. They will go wherever <laughs> their hosts are. That make, It makes no sense. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I think that kind of, Tops off, and in terms of enjoyment, like I mean, I did kind of enjoy it, but really it's because I'm a Bruce Willis fan, and I just like seeing him do stuff. But it's yeah, I think time travel kind of seals the deal in terms of least amount of realisticness. 
I, I feel also, like I have to defend yeah. this movie somewhat because I really enjoy it. Um, okay. So I guess like it doesn't speak about how the disease came about, but that's not to say that it didn't exist. It's just not part of the movie. And this for me, I was mm-hmm. kind of confused, like how are we going to talk about this? Because like there's some movies where uh, the topic of like talking about disease and like the science is like the main focus of a movie. And then in some elements like this, it's kind of just like a side element. And so, like, mm-hmm. they do have some very limited elements of, like, how the disease came out. Um, at the very end, uh, there's, like, the guy who actually spreads the virus is walking through airport security. He has, like, the the vials in, like, his suitcase and the proper paperwork to carry it. And then he opens it up and it's, like, scentless. Like, how how much accuracy does that have that someone could, like, carry these onto an airplane? Yeah, like, none. You you would need more paperwork than that in this day and age. Like, you, you would think if someone walked in with vials like that, that... Like, that would raise some red flags. And they're immediately the just like, thing, open them up. I mean, even even without your education, Mina, that seemed, like, very <laughs> unrealistic to me. Just like, oh, he has these vials in, like, this yeah. this suspicious case. And he's just, like, waving them around, uh, opening, oh, smell this. Yeah, also, they, for they the record. look dangerous. Yeah, I, I mean, you're right. I don't think we need to qualify that statement. <laughs> The thing I was going to say, too, is, like, he just has it in, like, a glass, like, you know, it's like a glass containment thing. Like, that could easily just break while he's walking. Like, that is not the way you're supposed to transport something if you have a coordinated bioterrorism attack, which is why it just doesn't, you know, doesn't make sense. It would just wipe out most of the world except for, like, prisoners, he which is like, underground. Like, <laughs> he has four vials. Why, why did the prisoners like... survive? Like, like, how did this happen? Also, he only has, like, four vials, but he's going to, like, eight cities, so I'm wondering how he was planning to distribute that. Um, he's, like, holding one as he runs through the airport, like, from one city, and then he goes back onto the plane holding it like a torch. It's like the Olympic torch of yeah. death. Uh, but then, like, the second part about, like, it not going underground, like, the way I interpreted the movie was that, like, they had built these, like, tanks or something, like, sealed areas that they had, like, built underground. So it's almost like having, like, an airtight, lab just it happened to be underground not that oh the virus doesn't penetrate the earth sure i agree with that although i mean if it was sealed underground like they did not like scientifically did not look air sealed it was (laughs) dirty there's like met like rusty metal everywhere like yeah it's not scientifically off the mark (laughs) but i I did enjoy the movie like yeah i mean i still like the movie but how, yeah, just, how about their um their uh their pr- procedure for like sending people above ground and like disinfecting was that uh, was that was there any accuracy to that? No, but I mean <laughs> also time travel. So no, no, like like there was there's parts where in the beginning before they sent him back in time where like like when he saw the oh, bear, they're hosing him down basically. <laughs> I mean, I will say to a certain extent, you do, like, if you want to know how you normally travel through these things, is that there would be, like, some kind of a bath, but usually, like, there's phases. So it's like, you get washed, you go into another thing, you sterilize with something else, you go into another thing, sterilize, put on your sterile suit, and you're good. But they basically just hosed him down. Like, like they washed him like they washed a car. Like... Well, I mean, maybe that's that's why they failed in the end. <laughs> yeah, they could have developed better time travel. That would have helped. <laughs> yeah, instead of sending him to like one. Yeah, they screwed up <laughs> twice. 
Wait, I mean, the Hulk couldn't figure out time travel. You're right. It's hard. You're right. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we've we've uh, nitpicked enough about uh, the the sanitary standards of uh, the movie about time travel. <laughs> I, I right. thought World War Z was going to be uh, the, the worst one on your list. Uh, I mean, okay, so World War Z, this is a nice segue. It was my number nine. It was, although to to be completely fair, I had a hard time deciding which was nine and which was ten because those two are neck and neck to me. <laughs> although, like, okay, I, I shouldn't say this right off the bat. Like, the scientific concept of zombies, like, they don't really exist. Like, and they they can't exist, obviously. I was and, gonna say don't really is different from can't. <laughs> so I was worried for a second. I mean, there there's actually so there is something really interesting. So I wanted to bring this up because I thought it was kind of cool. Have you heard of tetrodotoxin? Comes from pufferfish. Have you heard of this before? Either of you? No. I've heard of no. toxins that come from pufferfish, but not specific names. So okay, so the reason why I said doesn't really exist is because there is this toxin that actually so. If you go to Japan, you have to, and you order pufferfish, they have to cut it perfectly. Otherwise, it'll have citrotoxin in it. And what it does is, it actually can stop your heart and it stops kind of nerve signals. And at the right dose, you can actually put someone into a coma. And then, if doctors try and assess if they're alive or not, there will be no pulse. So you'll think they're dead. And then you bury the people and then they wake up in their own coffin. This is like actually horrific. But in Haiti, there's actually stories of, this happening where there's apparently so there's a this guy they call him the voodoo killer where he would basically give his victims like a little bit of this toxin they would bury them and then he would basically undig their graves and keep them as prisoners and it, it's it's really like fucked up but you can create a zombie in that way in the sense of they are being proclaimed dead and their heart is stopping and then they wake up so that well, is the exception up, they're like mentally the same right yeah, uh, I mean, I, they probably would. I would expect some sort of brain damage, brain but damage, like, yeah. but they would be able to walk around and probably still have some memories. So, so yeah, so so this guy he poisons them, has them like pronounced dead and put into a grave, and then digs up their grave and takes them prisoner. Why not just poison them and take them prisoner right away? Because <laughs> uh, because then they're missing, right? Then. No one would ever know that they're gone. That's uh, the, I guess. No one, like, if you poison them and they, you know, people and they're missing, then people are going to look for them. This is, that's why it's so diabolical. There should be a movie Anyways, that. Really? Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised there is a movie about that. And I would rank that, like, number one in terms of activities <laughs> based on real events. Anyways, okay, so, yeah. I, let, back to World War Z. So, zombies are why I don't think it's accurate, of course, but... Also, in terms of zombie movies, which, you know, there's tons of these infection zombie movies like Resident Evil. These are like these super zombies, which after a bite, they're like instantaneously like given like a thousand pounds of steroids. And now they can like <laughs> smash their head into cars and feel nothing like, you know, like this concept of super zombie like is just insane. It makes no sense, of course. And the way it's spread like through bites maybe that's probably the one part that i think could make sense you know like rabies spread through bites um the okay the one thing i i do want to talk about maybe quickly is the way they cure it like the cure it <laughs> Wait, before we get actually no yeah no just 
Just you, go with it. Do you have? Yeah. I mean, no, 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 I, no. Just go ahead. If I'm rambling, this, please stop me. No, yeah, no. Can, this is the, my favorite part of what we're going to talk about. Yeah. World War Z. Yeah. So please, yeah. So I do not understand how you <laughs> cure a disease by giving someone Ebola, and also how is this guy just walking through it like this horde of zombies, like he's fine, like. This guy should be, like, coughing, sneezing, like, struggling to walk, and probably collapse before he gets out of that containment room. But, like, does, does, does Ebola act, like, instanta- like instantaneous, instantaneously if you inject it into your bloodstream? If you were to inject that straight into your... So, I'll tell you something specifically about Ebola, is that it infects the, the cells that are lining your blood vessels. So, the reason why you get this hemorrhaging is because it's infecting all those cells, and then your blood vessels essentially just leak out everywhere. Ew. So it would happen very quickly. I would say with if you inject a strain to your bloodstream, then maybe half an hour, an hour, you would start hemorrhaging out your eyes and your nose and your mouth. It's, yeah. And also a lot of those diseases that, like, you know, like scarlet fever, those things, like, they would kill you pretty quickly if you inject it into your bloodstream. Not to mention, because I, I study immunology, what actually happens when you put something into your bloodstream is you get a very, very strong immune reaction. And then it's kind of like a very, very strong allergy. And then you'd go into a coma very quickly because of that. So would he not have made it the walk from the lab to the, no. the other? <laughs> that would happen within minutes. Would he have been able to reach the, the Coke machine for no. his little commercial? <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh God. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I didn't even want to talk about that. <laughs> Like, I wonder how much they got paid for putting COVID. <laughs> so speaking hypothetically, it it was a viable option to infect yourself with Ebola to make yourself invisible to zombies. Like, <laughs> no, it, hold on, let me let me let me yeah. finish. This, it's like a two part question because one, I that I have an issue with. I mean, there's plenty of things to have an issue with, but there's one like it just suddenly makes zombies or people infected people invisible or it makes you invisible to them like they can't see you i don't think like yeah i don't think there's anything on this planet that could that work like it just doesn't work that way in and also um considering like they use that strategy for like the war month like the war that they eventually fight there's like a little montage like I didn't understand is how could people like theoretically inject themselves with infectious diseases and then like go out and fight and then come back and then give themselves the cure like over and over again? No. no, no. <laughs> like I'll yeah, I mean, okay, the one thing I think that they came up with that I thought was creative is there there is precedent for like a virus or some kind of pathogen not wanting to infect an unhealthy host. Like, this does happen in some cases. Uh, in fact, so another zombie example is this fungus called cordyceps, which I don't know if you heard of that one, but it infects your brain. Right, so that fungus is actually kind of smart in that if there is hosts, so insects that are, like, kind of diseased already, it will not infect those ones. It preferentially doesn't infect those ones. So that makes sense, but... To infect and give the cure and infect and give the cure, like, that would not work. It wouldn't work once. And, I mean, would even it if... Worse? I mean, 
like maybe the zombies wouldn't kill you, but then all your soldiers would probably just like <laughs> collapse and have seizures within minutes. Like, <laughs> yeah. In terms, in terms of like being blind and them not seeing you, like I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how to comment on that. They, they, <laughs> I, they, yeah. Because like you, you, like you said, it works on like a cellular cellular level for some things, but like mm-hmm. just making me blind to what's in front of me, like I don't think that's yeah. possible in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. It's a fun but, movie, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like the action in it and the coordinated zombie ladder to reach <laughs> that wall and yeah, like fire. Yeah, yeah. I like that, although, yeah, not it's typical all in zombie. service of something cool to look at. <laughs> yeah, Does, sure. Can you can you uh, can you forgive it for just being an uh, enjoyable movie, or is the science way just un un uh, unredeemable? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it is completely unredeemable. Even the <laughs> the, the the subtle details in that movie that are scientific are like just complete bullshit. Even, like, for example, you cannot put a virus, like, you know, they had it in a walk-in fridge. That stuff is not stable in a fridge. That should be frozen. There's a reason why you freeze those things. You know, preserving it longer. Like, that makes no sense. Nothing in that movie, scientifically, to me, made sense. So, it got, it got like, zero on both of <laughs> Also, I guess the social aspect, which we didn't really talk about, is how organized the world was. I felt like, you know, like Israel had like this wall and all this and like they just let people in. Like, that makes no sense. Like, are you kidding me? Like, we're not letting Americans in right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I mean, I, I kind of found it believable that North Korea would take out the teeth of all their citizens over a week. True. <laughs> that, that might happen. <laughs> It just you know without even like a reason, no zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was yeah that was kind of fucked up, but <laughs> probably effective if there's a zombie apocalypse transmitted by bikes. All right, right, so we've gotten past the Brad Pitt movies. Uh, what's number eight? <laughs> yeah, so okay, number eight. So is also another zombie movie. Although I also really enjoyed this. It's Quarantine. Um, so I. Forgot the name of the actress, but she's in Dexter. Plays Dexter. Jennifer Carpenter. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So, I mean, she's a great actress in general. And the thing, okay, so this is a step above in terms of zombie movies because, you know, they try and make it a little bit accurate with the transmission through bites and things like that. Um, the things that I think are kind of accurate-ish are the fact that they actually quarantine them because, you know, if the U.S. government knew that there was something going on, they would quarantine them. Although, the thing that I thought was unrealistic is that they waited that long. I think, like, in real life, they probably would have just gone in and, like, wiped everyone out because <laughs> that, you know... You think they would have just exterminated, like, people, like, the entire building? I mean, maybe. Or... If not exterminate them, like pull all the people out and like bring them somewhere where they can. Like a black site and just. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, probably. I mean. Damn. I, I don't. I, the U.S. government does some interesting things. I don't. <laughs> like, we should, we I should have you on with Colin. 
I mean, I just can't see that they would leave them in a building to kind of fend for themselves and let it play out for X number of hours. Especially because at the end, spoiler, like, they all die and turn into zombies, right? So what are you going to do now? Like, like they're still there. Like, you got to do something. Yeah. Um, maybe they feel bad about killing them at that point. Maybe. Or not as bad. That's a, a curious they... kind of trend that shows up in these kind of, like, disease movies is, like, in the movies... It seems like the government, after like 30 seconds, is like, "All right, let's just nuke the town," uh, and it kind of makes you think, like, like uh, current circumstances in the world. Like, I wonder if anyone was thinking, like, it never stayed in one spot long enough to say, like, okay, if we can solve the whole problem just by blowing up the city. Although, like, I know it was like concentrated in China for like a little bit, and it's like, I wonder if that ever, like, what what contingency oh, plans yeah. crossed the Chinese government. Uh, in those oh, situations. <laughs> yeah, like, I actually do wonder what they did in Wuhan, like, in the early days of COVID-19, because China cleared out the infection really, really fast, which just makes me wonder what sort of human rights violations <laughs> they committed. Like, I don't just, like, if Wuhan is kind of ground zero where it's propagated from, like, for sure they quarantined that entire town. Like, for sure. Especially China, which is not known for a place of civil liberties. Like, isn't yeah um so quarantining is one thing although i think they would have wiped them out some things that uh maybe to digress i think the movie actually did kind of well is there was a little bit of a delay between the bite and turning into a zombie not where uh... i mean sure it wasn't much but it was more than world war z where it was probably 12 seconds where there's maybe 12 minutes but (laughs) yeah and they tried to rationalize it as rabies-like virus, so... Well, they kind of changed their minds throughout the movies because, like, for some characters, um, like, when the little girl bites the mom, it takes, like, a couple minutes. And then, like, other ones, it's, like, half an hour. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean... No, no, Hollywood? <laughs> like... That's fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. They do change it throughout the movies. And, yeah, I mean, for the record, if someone has a broken foot, so, you know, the scene with the firefighter, like, if someone has a broken foot and they're bleeding profusely out, just to make it clear, a zombie, like, this could not happen in the real world because you need blood to circulate in order to have, like, a muscle contraction, so you cannot move, like, that, yeah, but, of course, it's a zombie movie. But can you walk, like, if you have, so, like, he when he walks out, like, the firefighter has like a broken leg and he's saying like he couldn't actually have the muscles to walk but if he had like if he's missing the muscles from the lower half of his leg but he has the upper half would he still be able to like limp around on it i think eventually you so to just to be clear in your blood there's a few things you need to have muscle contraction muscle contraction is important for movement those things are oxygen and Indirectly, there is a chemical called ATP, which is important for the actual muscle contraction, right? If you're bleeding out your leg, eventually you're going to lose all that blood and you won't be able to contract your arms because it's all connected, especially those kind of blood vessels in your leg. Like those are some of the biggest blood vessels in your body, like your aorta, which is in your heart. The ones in your leg are pretty big. So no, I don't see that happening. Although maybe crawling and like that, like for a few minutes, sure. But, like, him breaking his leg, bleeding out, and then, like, you know, literally 45 minutes later in the movie, like, him still doing that? Like, yeah, not feasible. But, uh, 
that's just me being critical of zombie movies. Which I, is maybe I appreciate this level of scientific detail that is more in the entire hour and a half episode that we did on quarantine last time. <laughs> <laughs> is it? <laughs> Sorry, thank you. I mean, you're welcome. Uh, no, it's, a, it's a good different perspective compared to the nonsense that uh, <laughs> we focus on uh, normally. Uh, well, I mean, different perspectives for sure. Um, yeah. you should uh, if you if you think that was uh interesting watching quarantine Mina, you should see the Spanish version uh called Wreck and the progression of those four movies because it turns into like a religious thing like demons versus but then switches back to like a virus. You should listen to our episode and you'll you'll know all about it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen your episode on quarantine, so I will check that out. Rec 4 okay, would have been so interesting for this conversation because it was like quarantine on a boat. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Um, uh, what's what's next? Are we on yeah, six? Seven. Uh, seven. So, yeah, number seven. So, going with the theme of zombie movies, and this is the last zombie movie in the ten, I believe, oh. is tw- 28 weeks later. So, okay. I will say this. I actually really like this movie, though. Like, in general, maybe it's just me and liking zombie movies and, like, kind of the science and, like, humanity aspect of it. But I like 28 Weeks Later because, one, the the concept of it actually being an infection. And then the the guy who's, like, you know, in his house with his family and he leaves. And then the, I guess the way I interpret it is he's the one that brought it to the colony because he eventually turns into a zombie X number of weeks later, right? That was kind of cool because in a realistic situation, like if there was an infection, like it could be dormant and then kind of wake up that way. Although then it reinfecting everyone else and spreading that fast is maybe less realistic. So that's not how it happened though. So that's not, okay. No. So he was clean and he left the colony and he came back to the city and then his wife, who was infected, but was, like, partially immune to it. So she was a carrier, but never infected. Right. And then when they kissed, that's when he got it and then immediately turned into a zombie in, like, 30 seconds. Oh, it was the kiss <laughs> that did it. Yeah. Okay, well, so much for that. Uh, in that case, <laughs> Does that just completely throw your notes out the window? <laughs> 28 weeks. No, I mean, I actually, the thing that was kind of cool about 28, uh, 28 weeks later is they did talk about the concept of immunity. And if it is an infectious disease... There is a very good chance that some people just naturally will have resistance to infections. This happens for like basically every type of infection we know, including, by the way, like HIV. Like there's rare genetic mutations in some people that cannot get infected with HIV. It's really interesting. So this is just because of genetics and kind of random mutations that we have. So I, I actually like that part. So I would still rank that above quarantine because, I mean, that was somewhat scientific and like, you know, rescuing the kids because one of them, you know, the, the, like the boy who like got bit and he didn't have anything, even though his eyes changed color, like it's kind of cool. And that would actually be how you would come up with a cure probably is finding those resistant individuals, seeing what's in their blood or in their genes, and then trying to like figure things out from there. So I like that. I mean, that's still actually a modern, I would say approach to kind of, so while we're on the topic of immunity, one thing I wanted to ask you about was herd immunity, uh, and if you can explain <laughs> that to me. Don't get him started. <laughs> so, 
what do you, what's your question specific? Like, I just like, what, what is it? Like, how does that? Like, what it just it? seems oh. kind of like I I get the concept, but it's like, yeah. a, is that a thing that actually has scientific basis? So okay, yes, there is a basis to it. So it it's not like it's complete bullshit. But herd so the, the concept of herd immunity is so think of like you know herd of cows. So let's say a few cows lead, you know their circle. Some of them get something, bring it back to the main herd, and then everyone gets infected, right? That is a normal scenario. The concept of herd immunity is kind of like, let's say 20%, 40%, 80%, whatever, of that herd of cows is vaccinated. Then when they go and come back to the herd, because they're vaccinated, in theory, they won't give it to the other people or other cows. But the one thing that... I think it's kind of important to mention is actually like 28 weeks later, which I just, you know, that like how someone was kind of a carrier, like that can still happen with a lot of diseases actually. So even, and actually what's kind of interesting is even if you're vaccinated, it doesn't guarantee that you won't be a carrier, which is kind of a scary concept, but yeah, I guess I can delve into that a little bit more if, it helps, but th there are different types of immune responses. And in some cases, you can get responses that are protective that will make you not a carrier. And in some cases, you can get responses that make you protected, but you could still theoretically be a carrier. And you look for, there's different antibodies that you look for to check for that. So herd immunity could exist if you have those protective non-carrier type of vaccines but you don't know that until you do a lot of testing. So going just by the concept of herd immunity is quite dangerous for a population. It's unfortunate that uh, the dude's wife did not have this conversation with you before she did, <laughs> decided to kiss her husband. Otherwise she might still have her eyes. So I, I yeah. kind of interpreted that like she gave it to him on purpose because she was mad at him, but then I rewatched <laughs> it today and I was like, yeah, she kind of died really violently right away. So maybe not. <laughs> yeah. I know I've read that theory before and like just immediately I, I don't understand how you can still have that theory after watching the scene. <laughs> also, yeah, he I goes mean, and kisses her. She never says anything or like consents to it in any way. She just lies there. Well, I mean, she could have been like, mm -mm, mm. <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she does as much when he's like beating the shit. That's like, that was just, like it's a great movie, and that but that scene was like tough to watch. Yeah. Like I, I like out of scary things in like probably that's the probably the scariest scene out of any of these movies. Heck, it's so personal, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, so, that and just like just also like they, the eye thing. Oh yeah, God. I, I don't know. When, I wonder if that's where they got like Game of Thrones, like the <laughs> maybe like, that's where they got it from. I mean, I know that's the oldest movie I've seen where they do that. Do you guys know if uh, 28 Weeks Later and 28 Days Later was directed by the same guy? I don't think it is. Oh, I don't think it was, right? No, 28 Days Later is Danny Boyle, and then I think Danny Boyle produced 28 Weeks Later, but didn't direct it. Oh, okay. Yeah, cause, or maybe it was just a, a callback to 28 Days Later, because it's just with the, with the eyes in both movies. <laughs> they had to keep keep doing that. It is an eye thing. Gross. In general. <laughs> Also yeah. completely unrelated to uh, to infectious diseases. I I really love how they had Idris Elba um, 
play an American uh, <laughs> military general while he's in London, even though he's British. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even catch I, I, that. I never realized that before, uh, like, because I didn't know who he was when I first watched this movie, but like watching it back, it's like, oh, that's Idris Elba. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> Although I didn't realize that until you mentioned Also, it. speaking of like extreme government responses from earlier, I wonder if uh, China's response was similar to 20 weeks later. Oh my god. <laughs> All targets. Yeah, like. I, oh god. It was All very right. organized, I will say that. What was the code? It was like code, I guess it was just code, right? Where they basically carpet bombed the entire base. Yeah. Or first they put like. Remember when they they put all the civilians into like a dark, uh, what was it like a, a storage area? And didn't lock all the doors into that area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was I? I don't know if I just missed something, but was that like, did they do that on purpose to like because they were planning to just let them die or? No, I felt like they were doing that to like protect people. Just wasn't yeah, very good. Except- yeah, it's just poorly executed because it's pitch black and the doors were not locked. Yeah. Also, one thing that kind of annoyed me, and sorry, I'm going to nitpicky now, but like they set up this interesting premise like early in where you have like all the people living in these uh, condos with glass windows and then you have snipers looking at everybody. And I feel like the purpose of that is like if you if there is an outbreak, you can see it in a building and you have snipers who can like take care of it. But then like when they go code red, they immediately kill the power to all the buildings so like snipers would not be able to see into the building anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I agree. That makes no sense. Just even aside from that, the 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 fact that they killed the power uh so that they just can't see anywhere. Like it doesn't help anyone but the zombies. Yeah. Yeah. So Idris Elba should not be uh should not be in charge of any quarantine situation. All right, what was number six? Yeah, so number six was uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Um, Yeah, so switching from zombie movies. uh, I mean, okay, the reason why I rank this number six is that, you know, they have this drug that they're trying to make, which actually, I would say, using a virus to deliver things actually is something that we do right now. We're developing, like, you know, gene therapies to, like, deliver genes for people that don't have a functional gene using viruses. So that makes sense. However, the fact that a virus would, you know, cause this effect in humans and, like, kill, basically cause, like, almost extinction or eventually extinction of the human race and make the monkeys smarter, like, this seems like something that you should be able to figure out much, much earlier on before you start injecting monkeys. Like, <laughs> for the level of sophistication that that facility had, like the level of foresight did not match even remotely. Like you, you can actually do some tests to see how toxic that would be in humans. Like, and you can do that pretty early on in some other ways. But How I mean, do you do that without testing on humans. So you can check for genetic interaction. Uh, intra- so I'm going to make up a story, but let's say that the virus was killing people because it was just infecting all the cells in the human body. You can grow cells out in cell culture and uh, see if it's infecting those cells. 
So you could check if it's going to give you kidney toxicity, liver toxicity, brain toxicity, et cetera. You can do those tests. And in fact, before you can even do a clinical trial or even the monkey studies, you need to have some kind of documentation that shows that you can do that. Like that's part of animal ethics. You need to justify that, it's especially for like a pharmaceutical grade drug. You need that kind of test. And there's other kind of more like computational models of predicting now, but you, you can test those things out. Also, I mean, the, just the general idea of a drug that kind of makes you smarter, which I guess was like the point that they tried, like the limitless drug does not exist and it never will. So like, yeah, even if it's a virus, it can be a pill, it can be both. It, it just, it, it doesn't work that way. You mean we can never unlock 90% of our brains? <laughs> Yeah, that, that whole thing is bullshit, by the way. You know, <laughs> you know where that the saying comes from? I'm actually so mad at that. It's like anti-vaxxers. Like it, it, okay, vaccines don't cause autism. The reason why people think it caused autism is because someone published an article which was then retracted. And that guy should, quite frankly, well, he's dead now, but he should have been put in jail for that because of the repercussion. The, the con- yeah. The, the whole thing about like you only use 10 or 20% of your brain what that mean, what that came from is in your brain you have different types of cells okay so you have nerve cells or neurons which do the traveling of electricity or you know communication but you have 80% of the cells which support the neurons function so they feed them they clean up debris things like that and those are actually the majority of your brain so that's why people say like oh you only use 20% of your brain it's like no you're using 100% of your brain if you didn't have that other 8% <laughs> The twenty percent would die, then you would have zero percent. <laughs> so do we yeah. use them just for other things? Yeah, you we use them to support that other twenty percent. Yeah. That's I'm not gonna go into that yeah. that makes perfect sense, which like now that you meant say that is kinda disappointed that I never thought about it that way. <laughs> I mean Okay. <laughs> That's like more upper level <laughs> biology. You need to Thanks, go to Mina. That is, you and most people, I think, still believe the 20% hypothesis. Maybe yeah. I can be too. Okay, I still believe in vaccination, so that I have that going for me. Yeah, <laughs> then you're you're smarter than most people. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so what did you yeah, like about Rise of the Planet of the Apes then? Yeah, so I like the fact that it was a virus, and there was this... I mean, okay, as shady as this is, I think using... like a, trying to kind of push a drug out as experimental as it is to make people smarter, like, because there's so much money in that, like, I could see that conceptually being a thing. Although, back to what I was saying before, I think there's safety things like tests and stuff that they would do before it gets to that phase. So I do agree with that. And the fact that it was a virus, I do think that that was really interesting. Um, Also, what is kind of cool, and I could see is, if it infects like monkey brains or monkeys or primates, like non-human primates in one way and humans in a different way, I could see that, not maybe as drastically, but that is something that could happen. And actually monkeys and kind of like, actually most primates besides humans have very strong immune systems, stronger than us. So there is a possibility that it would not affect them and kill them in that way, although I think it's just the thing that killed it for me was the fact that like they just didn't check any of these things before wiping <laughs> out the human race. Like maybe I'm just hinging it too much on that, but 
some of the other parts are definitely accurate. You always yeah. have to have the 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 one party involved that doesn't do their homework. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, there's no movie. <laughs> you're right. Otherwise, yeah. the, the planet of the apes does not rise. <laughs> yeah, also, the, like, okay, so the society aspect. The fact that James Franco basically, like, he basically helped the human race become extinct. Like, if this guy's, like, a, like smart, he should think about how, you know, there's a monkey that has this thing in the real world now that, like, like that is really fucking dangerous in general. <laughs> like, you would think after years of experience, he's going he's gonna to care more about, like, this cute baby monkey versus, like, everyone else on Earth. Like, <laughs> I don't know. We, you know, like, yeah. Hind- hindsight is twenty twenty for for James Franco on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, What's and up? he immediately dies, I guess, in between the the this and the sequel. So, and he's never mentioned again. I think yeah. so. I he's think that's a his video recording in the second one for like five seconds. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't even remember. I I actually forgot. Um, I, I forgot about the whole like drug part of the movie, which is why they became smart. I, the only thing that I could remember off the top of my head before, uh, when we were like when we first brought this movie up, was that uh, it's just like there's a pilot and he was sick and he got everyone sick. That's the only that was yeah. the only thing I, I remembered uh, before rewatching the movie. So I was really curious how we were going to talk about it for oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> about this. But cool. Don't worry. Yeah. One um, thing they did do well is try and kill the monkeys as they were escaping. Because <laughs> that is. <laughs> so you tried. Been on that side. <laughs> I mean, I hopefully not. But maybe <laughs> I, I don't know. I like to think I'd be James Franco, but the, the, the villain would have been right actually in this one. I mean, if they killed them, there's a chance they could have saved the human. Well, I mean, I guess it depends who else got infected before they escaped. But I mean, if they the the pilot still would have gotten everyone sick, but then the monkeys at the same time wouldn't have multiplied and taken over the world. I guess, yeah. right? It's true. Um, okay, so we're at number six. Uh, I'm gonna take a we're gonna take a quick break to uh, fire some other random questions at you before you do the top five. Uh, so I have five questions here. Uh, don't think about it too much. Just give us some quick answers, whatever's on the top of your top of your mind. Um, okay, first question. You're cooking up the perfect virus to eliminate the human race. What are some of the elements that you use? Oh, very easy. So what you want, number one most important thing is something that is infectious, so can spread very easily. This is uh, actually, there's a there's a ratio called R naught, which is basically how much it multiplies and spreads. They, one of the movies we'll talk about talks about R naught, but so you want something with a very high R naught. That's basically how infectious it is. And if you want to wipe out the human race, I mean it's pretty simple. The other feature is something that is very lethal. Although a good virus would be one that is infectious, asymptomatic, so you can keep spreading it while they are infected. And then would have a very rapid onset of death. So what would happen is you would get sick, spread it to a bunch of people, not knowingly, then they would die. And then you would have this in multiple waves and you could wipe out 
the human race actually pretty quickly with that. You are now on every single watch list <laughs> in the world, Mina. <laughs> Listen, I have a PhD in infectious disease, and my last name is Abdel Noor. I already <laughs> assume I am. So, <laughs> I would I would advise giving against giving your last name on uh, <laughs> on the internet. Oh, look. Um, so the next question is kind of a part two of that question. Uh, so say you're the guy from the end of Twelve Monkeys who's going on like his road trip to spread virus all over the world. Uh, where would you go on your trips to? We're just oh, digging cool. that hole for you right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is, I'm, I could be enabling a bioterrorist. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, this is pretty logical, though. You ideally want to go to cities that have a lot of traffic. So, I mean, you would, and by traffic, I mean like connections to other cities and a lot of flights per day. So, I think. Frankfurt in Germany is the biggest airport in Europe, so that's one. Hong Kong is another, and actually, if you notice, like Hong Kong and like China, where there are a lot of busy airports, like Beijing, for example, that's actually where a lot of quote-unquote pandemics or like, you know, in infections that spread to the rest of the world, at least, they come from like those areas. Hong Kong, especially because that's like a kind of hub for international travel and finance, so you could get a direct flight from like, you know, like North America to Hong Kong in some cases. Well, it's a long, long flight, but you could do that. Just to be clear, we're framing this as where to avoid uh, <laughs> in the event of a pandemic. Yes. Not, oh, uh... <laughs> where to avoid? Oh, whoops, I should have. Um, yeah, so in that no, case, it's okay. I, I made that clear for uh, the FBI. <laughs> for legal reasons. Um, okay, next question. <laughs> um, so of, of all the scientists on all the 10 movies that we watched here, which one would you most want to be co-workers with? Ooh. Oh, uh, okay, so Lawrence Fishburne from Contagion, like, he's just great. I mean, he, he thinks about it in, from kind of like a human aspect, which I would argue a lot of scientists, they kind of forget about that completely. So, like, you know, he's trying to support his staff saying, like, are you okay? You know, like, there's that one scene where I forget the name of the other doctor, but she's in the car and he's like, are you okay? Like, have you slept? Those things are, like, important. If someone's sleepy, they're going to get sick or make a mistake or spread it. And you really have no room for error in the case of an infection. And also, you know, having a compassionate coworker is just generally a nice thing, isn't it? <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, okay, next question. Um, if you were the president of the U.S. and there was an outbreak in, like, a let's say, small town Colorado, uh, what's your, like, go-to first few steps to control it? Okay, so this is going to be fucked up, but I'm just going to go for it. First thing is wall off the town. Don't allow anyone in or out. You have to do that. And people are going to protest, but, like, you just need to stop that from happening. That is number one. Once it leaves that small town, it's going to infect everyone else. So that's key. Second thing is find people that are infected, try and isolate them, of course, because, you know, it's, it's about rings of quarantine, if you will, like concentric rings. So you isolate the town, isolate the infected people, isolate the people that they've been in contact with. And then if you do have an infection that's particularly lethal, unfortunately, I think studying the autopsies is actually a very good way of finding out kind of, even though it's post-mortem, what happened. And what didn't and if you can find people that are resistant again like i kind of mentioned that earlier that is pretty key to trying to find a cure or a treatment so 
I think, you know, these days we have pretty good technology to analyze those things fast. So you find genes that are protective. It gives you hints to what drugs or vaccines might work. I'm glad you didn't immediately go for like bombing the city. So that's good. <laughs> um, okay, no, I, then, yeah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, the final question I have is out of the 10 diseases from these movies, uh, if you had to die from one of them, which one would you most want to die from? Cool. Uh, okay, well, I'm supposed to not think. I would say the zombie, the okay, World War Z, the zombie bite, because that is super quick, and also you get superpowers after. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of looks kind of painful, though, for that. Uh, for, for 15 seconds. I mean, I would argue you'd bleed slowly to death in several other cases. So... All in all, I, I felt like that's probably the best, you know, to each yeah. their own. Yeah, that's fair. I would have opted for the Andromeda strain where you just drop dead. You could also yeah, just I mean, go blind instead of dying. <laughs> yeah. Which right. is also oh, yeah, an option on right. the table. There. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Um, okay. <laughs> let's, uh, let's continue with the top ten with your uh, number five. Yeah, okay. So, number five on my list. Is, okay, so it's cabin fever. So this is actually kind of an interesting one because cabin fever is it's essentially a movie about uh, like a flesh eating disease. So you know, uh, it, well, as the name sounds, like their skin kind of decays, and there is kind of cases of this actually in humans. So there's a disease called necrotizing fasciolitis. You can Google this, or I'll send you the link after if you're really curious. I don't want it. But <laughs> What what it basically is is it's so it's an infection by a bacteria and what happens is it gets into wounds typically and what that does is it causes uh, a very strong like autoimmune reaction. What I mean by autoimmune is like your immune system essentially attacks yourself. So that yeah, and it it is quite painful and actually has a very I think a fairly high mortality rate in some cases. So this is kind of in that sense while it's obviously dramatized is somewhat realistic although one thing that is not realistic is how it spreads so it, it spreads through kind of contact into bites so or uh, contact into wounds so the fact that that kid bit the first guy and gave it to him and then the rest was kind of spread through i, I don't know how that doesn't make sense i don't think the was kid the, gave it to him was it the water they actually water yeah, okay, so I, yeah, I wasn't sure, if it, but other people were in the water and they didn't get it, right? Or, so I, I think mean, it was like the specific water reservoir that led into the drinking water, um, and that's, like, it wasn't just like the lake. Right, because the girl in the bathtub got it too? Well, I think I mean, they were all drinking the water, or like, because they were, they would cut to random clips where they would show like a tea, a cup of tea, Yeah. and so it was just assuming that... Everyone was getting it because they were drinking the water, except for the one guy who said, I'm going to drink beer the whole time. Oh, that's, yeah, you're smart. Okay, well, I missed that part. My bad. Um, in any case, like, still, like, there, there's nothing that you could drink that would give you that disease. So the transmission part, I would put an X around that. In terms of symptoms and potential onset of symptoms, actually, I would say it's fairly accurate so necrotizing fasciolitis does actually lead to similar things and by the way it, it has like it can start with bleeding in your genitals so that like while there is multiple parts of that in the movie that is actually how the disease kind of Gross. unfolds well, yeah like, that was 
it's funny that uh, Eli Roth probably just did that because it's gross, and that or yeah. like he would, he thought like, oh, this is gonna be awesome and shocking, and and it's actually factually accurate. I feel like he had no idea. Probably <laughs> or maybe not. I'm not giving him enough credit, and he did know. <laughs> I mean, who knows? But yeah, I did actually kind of like that part, which is like, <laughs> while while it's fucked up, I'm like, okay, like sure. Yeah. Although, anyways, I mean. So, so that part is interesting. The one thing I was thinking is kind of weird is like the, the social aspect. So I guess they're just in like this boonie town and like like the people are either immune to this thing somehow or they just don't like outsiders so they just decide to kill them. Like, I, I yeah, like I don't know why that would happen, but I mean, it is a movie and they're boonie people. So maybe they're just violent boonie people. Like, yeah, slightly more realistic than World War Z, I would say. Slightly. Well, it's, it's number five, not number nine. So, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, it's yeah, I guess four. what's up next? Yeah, so number four. Um, yeah, so that was uh, Outbreak, actually. So. That was the one with uh, old Keeper Sutherland's dad. Donald uh, Sutherland. What? Kevin. Oh, Donald Sutherland. Yeah, Donald. Sorry, I forgot his first name. That's why. <laughs> For some reason, I thought you were trying to describe Morgan Freeman in a weird way. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah, I love Morgan Freeman, too, but I don't know. So I, I like this movie for two reasons. One, I actually kind of enjoyed how the story unfolded. Like, it was the U.S. trying to make a like a, you know, back, a virus that was a bioweapon, which, I mean, if you were to get a hemorrhagic virus, it would be from Africa, actually. Like, there are multiple that come from that region, and the fact that it would be transferred through animals or monkeys, also pretty accurate. Ebola, for example, like, while we don't know where it came from, there are gorillas which can carry hemorrhagic viruses. So that part is actually pretty accurate. Um, and then the fact that they just want to kind of, carpet bomb the town or like you know this is, this is the theme of just like blowing everyone up like i mean i could actually see that playing out of this scenario because that is probably the most effective way of <laughs> isolating it but yeah I'll, yeah although if there's a monkey out in the wild which is the whole thing then like it could go spread to other towns and yada 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 that would be bad but i i mean I, I do like in terms of the realistic nature, I think like, you know, that actually was pretty accurate. Although things that were not accurate is how everyone, so it seemed to have a hundred percent infection rate, which I mean, maybe it is just a really good virus. So there's that to how quickly it mutated within the same monkey. Like, yeah, I mean, those things usually take some time, like several months to happen. Not like, you know, few weeks i guess which is the timeline in the movie and also how quickly they came up with the cure which is like several hours like in case you didn't notice we still don't have a cure for <laughs> covid so like it takes much longer than that that's where i had anti-serum stored which yeah that's where i, I was I a bit know. surprised that this was number four on your list because like yeah it's like it's all scientists so like unlike some of the other ones like the science is actually the main theme of the movie uh but then it's like it's like, oh, we got the monkey. We can cure everyone now. And it's like, I feel like that takes a bit of time. 
Yeah. We'll just load it onto a plane and spray it all over the, the U.S. Yeah, you can inhale it. The cure, that would be great. Usually, though, usually it would just dilute in the air. So that probably wouldn't work. But yeah, I mean, I agree. The cure part was not accurate. But the other parts, I would say, they actually did a fairly good job. And even the snapshots at the beginning where they're showing the different containment levels, like level one, two, three, four, like I was fairly impressed with how they did that. Also, Before, with like um, Kevin's like, there's one part where Kevin Spacey's like suit rips slightly, and then he gets infected. Um, like, I don't know, is it really just up to like if, if somebody would tell people that something has gone wrong and that they've been infected? Like, is there a high chance that somebody could just hide that information when you're working in a situation like that? No, I mean usually, especially so from what I remember in the like public health lab, like if your suit rips, there's like a massive alarm that triggers, basically. And it's like it, automatically. It like, yeah, those things are built in. Because well, think oh. about it. It like if the person gets sick, they're gonna give it to everyone else. Or like the other thing is the way a lot of the suits are made nowadays, anyways, is like they're pretty resistant to just tears like that, like getting caught on a table for that reason, because that's like how most tears in a hazmat suit would happen. So not realistic. And him being able to hide it also not really likely. Because, I mean, how do you, like, this virus is going to kill everyone. Like, what are the chances that they're just going to let that, like, be up to the honor system? <laughs> no, I, I was just curious about how the how it would be built in. Like, the alarm would be built into the suit. Like, how it, it would protect. So, um, yeah, it, cool. you take, yeah, the way it basically works is, like, you take showers or whatever as you go through, and then eventually you suit up, and then, there's something that's hooked up to your suit, like your oxygen, basically, if it's that level of, like, infection. And then you go in, and then if there's something happening, like, it will tell you right away because there's a change in pressure in your suit, like, oh, within okay. the inside. Right. Yeah. Co completely unrelated, th this movie, the, the one scene of the guy in the, the movie theater when he, like, infects everyone with his, his cough <laughs> that floats around, that is, like, what plays in my mind every time... <laughs> Someone talks about COVID and like opening up Cineplex. <laughs> <laughs> That's like That's just funny. the one scene from this movie that just re resonated with me. Even before actually we did this podcast, like when just talking about COVID like months ago. In movie theaters. Yeah. That's why like I'll probably never go to a movie theater for uh, until the vaccine is out. <laughs> yeah, not for a while. <laughs> yeah. But I did like the movie, and I do like Morgan Freeman. <laughs> it was interesting to see him in like a evil role for once. Not like pure evil, but like he was a little bit more of a bad guy for the first half of the movie. Mm-hmm. Conflicted. All right, what's number three? Yeah, so number three is blindness. Uh, yeah, so we're definitely going towards the more realistic side of, you know like infection or disease related movies, right? Like What's this is something that you think this is okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell yeah, you go why. Yeah, I think it's realistic. yeah, go ahead. So one, if it's something that infects your eye, actually it's really well known that your eye cells divide very, very slowly. Some people think even once a year, like it. So for you to get an infection in your eye, it does make sense that it would take a very, very long time for you to resolve an infection in your eye. That 
is so that part I actually thought was kind of cool. And then, you know, the, the quarantining part, like while they kind of really like that was like fucked up. It was like basically like a concentration camp for the people that are infected. <laughs> like to give them no support, I mean, that's less realistic, although if they're really just scared of the general population getting blind, like you know, this this is kind of like I guess it depends on who's in charge and their morality. But from an infection standpoint, I could see like an inhaled virus that eventually travels to the eye or a virus that directly infects the eye being cleared after X number of months and only infected the eye. Because the cells in your eye are very unique and special in that way. So that does make sense to me, actually. Um, yeah, and even without a cure. And they so, just cure not be, like get over it naturally. I I could see that actually. There, I think there's even some cases of like eye infections with amoeba, with where things you don't go blind, but like you get like a redness. Like some of those can actually clear on their own. I believe so. So, I mean, it's possible. Also, like again, they actually brought up the concept of like someone being immune to it, which I always like because. <laughs> You know, the, there's never like a hundred percent like infection with anything. Like very, like I don't know any case. If there was, that would instantly be turned into a bio terrorist weapon. Like, oh, so yeah. Um, about the the eye infections, that's actually pretty interesting because, um, so I had an eye infection like a few years ago because it's really dumb. But uh, for my contact lenses the place that I got them told me that I can wear them 15 times. Um, but I thought they meant like 15 times over any amount, any period of time. So oh. he meant like 15 days in a row or like they're <laughs> good for 15 days, but I was using them like every like few weeks. So I would use them for 15 times over the span of like maybe a, a few months. Oh, wow. But I, I was doing this for the longest time and I got an infection, an eye infection, like maybe like a year later. So the fact yeah. that it takes a while to like, for the cells to multiply, that makes a lot of sense. I'm living proof out of my, <laughs> out of my stupidity. Yeah. Well, make sure you wear a contact in a row or throw them out. I wear dailies now. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> problem solved. Good job. Thank you, Mina. <laughs> the doctor approves his message. <laughs> but yeah, I feel yeah. like blindness, like they had a concept for a movie and it was more like, what if everyone was in a camp and was blind and had to fend for themselves? And it's like the science was just like, eh, what can we tack on to justify this scenario? Um, so if they did have like elements of it that were like actually based on some type of science, I would say they did a pretty good job considering probably not the objective of the movie at all. Yeah, yeah. definitely more focused on the so social uh, aspect. So I'm curious, your guys' thoughts. Do you feel that socially that that was like a realistic scenario? Do you think, like, do you think people would go into wards and like team up, and then there'd be like an evil war that like does all that fuckery? Like, I mean, I see it as like a heart of darkness scenario where like, or not heart of darkness, like you know, like different camps, like Lord of the like, Flies could, type thing. Yeah, Lord of the Flies. Thank you. That's like I, I I wouldn't be surprised if there was like a a battle over resources, like especially if there was no like central authority to help like divide that up. But like I feel like there would at least be 
like in the beginning they were trying to have like each ward nominate your representative and like have a situation like i feel like people wouldn't be too deterrent to that because you're in a scenario where you really are helpless and you don't know what you're doing and i can see it yeah. breaking down after they at least try to do that or like there being like other ways not just like i don't like you i'm king now <laughs> yeah the the only thing that like makes it more believable or like that i feel like it's likely for something like that to break down and just have the king take over is when the the guards or like the people that are supposed to be in authority like just completely disappear so like these people are left to fend for themselves which is what happened i mean i don't know as as the resident expert on the social aspect i'm <laughs> no i don't know i mean I, I i like to think that it wouldn't happen but it's i feel like it's i don't know it's possible in such an extraordinary situation especially if they're completely left to fend for themselves and i wonder if it's a bit more played out because i know it's based on a book and it's like i wonder if there were like guards there initially that like leave at one point and that's like more of a slower like i can see it getting to that point eventually it's just like how quickly it happened because uh, even yeah. like compared against like the stanford prison experiment like obviously humans are capable of like resorting to those type of like situations it's just like it's just how quickly it happened, I guess, was the, the unrealistic element of it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Okay. Should we move We're on? We're at uh, number two, right? Yeah, number two. I'm curious so, about which is uh, one and which is two here. Oh, yeah, well, number two is Andromeda Strain. Uh, yeah. So, reason why I, I really like this, because, you know, they do, like, very calculated experiments to figure out what it is. <laughs> Right, like, it, I mean, it's this is for a movie of its age. Like, it's definitely more accurate than any of the other movies that we talked about. <laughs> I would say, in terms of like how they figure it out, the speed at which they do so. Like, I was like really impressed by that. Even like the, the subtleties. So like, they use like a point two micron filter. It can't pass through the point two, so therefore it's like a cell. Like, I have done things like that in the lab <laughs> myself, which is like really cool. Like. You, so I like the testing and like the levels of sterility and like the fact that they're irradiated and go through these things, like the, the fact that there's a kill switch built into the whole system, like those things make sense, right? Like I actually really like that. Now, of course, it coming from out of space and this being like a self-replicating crystal, like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like that, that's, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that that's gonna happen anytime soon you gotta add some fiction to the science fiction yeah i mean of course but i think that's what makes it a bit more fun too um one thing i wanted to say sorry go ahead i was just gonna say it's funny because like the things that you that you liked about it i think this is why i didn't enjoy (laughs) watching the movie (laughs) which is not a knock on what you do because i do find what you do interesting but like it's when there's like when you're watching a movie and it's not like as much as we hate on it, it's not Hollywoodized at all. It's yeah. just like it's watching it's watching uh, a lesson, like a, a science class. <laughs> yeah. And on top of that, I was like sleepy and hungover. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, there was points where I was definitely just like completely just letting it play in the background, because like yeah. that, nowadays when the, them doing the test is where you would put a montage. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess. I'm a nerd, so I love that stuff. But, which is fine, yeah. We, and but though I did appreciate like they were like 
they were true to the science. It just it didn't make for easy watching. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I get that. And you're right, it would be a montage. And that movie would be much shorter. <laughs> it would, yeah. What were you going to yeah. say? Before? Oh, yeah. So one thing that actually I did not like, which is the way that it's cured at the end. So, you know, they talk about the pH. So you guys know, how, what do you guys know about pH and like swimming pools, you know, and blood? Like pH is basically acidity, right? Just, just yeah. so we're clear. I know that. <laughs> yeah. So your blood does have a very, very narrow pH. It's it's even like a 0.3 or a 0.2 too high or low, like you would get acidosis or alkalosis like they talked about. The thing that doesn't make sense, which I'm just poking holes in this, is they say it travels through the air, which they show, right? With the, you know, the experiment with the tubes. But air itself actually has a pH, by the way. So... You can Google the like the pH of air, and it changes depending on you know humidity things like that. But the the pH of air can be like five point five, five point six. In some cases, it can be like a little bit more, and that was outside the range of what was you know what the organism could live in. So that was kind of eh, unsatisfying as a like a as a cure treatment, but. I mean, given everything else that they did in that movie and sticking true to real science, like, I was prepared to forgive it. <laughs> By the way, because we were talking about the uh, the air experiment, uh, one thing that I it was uncomfortable first time I was watching this movie is there's, like, a scene where they're exposing the monkey to the air, and I'm like, oh, my God, they actually killed the monkey on air for this. Oh, yeah. Uh, but then I they read up it. about it, and they did not. Uh, oh, okay. What they did is like is they had a really good actor. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So they had a room that was completely filled with CO2 and the box was filled with oxygen. And then so when they opened the door to it, it basically just sucked all the air out and it fainted. And then there was someone uh, off camera who quickly came and gave it an oxygen tank and it got back to life right away. Oh, my God. So I was happy That's to find out horrible. that the monkey <laughs> is alive and it was supervised I mean, by like did. animal people. So. Yeah, at least they didn't kill it. Like, I, th I thought they would have killed it, too. I thought for sure they killed it on like air. Back and... in the... Yeah, <laughs> just watching that, I was like, wait a second, Which... what's happening? Also, um, so I rewatched 12 Monkeys right after that movie, and they show that same clip in 12 Monkeys. Did they? As a throwback to Andromeda Strain, as like a as a reference to it. But yeah, there's one scene where they're in the... Um, the mental asylum and like it's when he gives brad pitt the idea that it's like oh everyone needs because there's like a news report about like animal cruelty and that scene is one of them oh that's wow. not cool yeah i, I didn't even watch it for that the, i mean 12 monkeys was i i didn't particularly enjoy uh 12 monkeys as much either i mean not to the extent of andromeda's train but <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i missed that Anyway, quick facts for you. I I did like um the the bit uh like when they're going through the town, um, for some reason I don't know why, just actually now that I think about it that's probably like the worst part of that movie, when they're like discovering the uh like all the dead bodies, and then there was also the 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 part of the the uh the virus or the disease that like it made some people kill themselves in like weird ways. No, I think it was that, like, they were dying slowly, and they were in pain, and so those people just kind of went crazy and killed themselves. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was, like, sort of, like, the happening type. Uh, no. 
<laughs> we should have included the like happening on here. <laughs> I feel like we should have. Have you seen the happening, Mina? Yeah, I've seen parts of it though. Oh, okay. Oh. I, I feel like we should have covered that one because that would have definitely been ranked 15 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably die a slow, painful death if your blood was turning into powder. True. <laughs> yeah. Shall we finish it off? Number one? Go for yeah, it. Yeah, with the big reveal. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I don't think this is really a shocker to either of you guys. But number yeah, so my favorite of Contagion for many reasons. Actually, here, here's a side note, which I think you guys probably didn't know. So when I was doing my master's, there was a scientist uh, kind of in charge of the research department. His name was Donald Lowe. And he was actually consulted for the movie Contagion. It's really interesting. Yeah, so he wasn't my supervisor. He basically paid my salary indirectly, so he's like kind of in charge of that. But he he's also a great guy, and he was actually in charge of the response to H1N1. So he's kind of like a, a big shot. Now he, he passed away like a few years ago, but I, I like the, the level of detail in that movie and like how accurate they try and make like the discovery process, how long it takes. Like they say like, several months before we have a vaccine like you have to test it out the the lady like injecting herself like i could see those things i mean maybe that was like a little bit extreme but they're like the barry marshall shout out where like the guy discovered what caused ulcers like that has happened before and like i could see in a very dire situation like this like someone trying this out to save the world like as noble as and craziest might seem you think anyone's doing that right now I'm not making any vaccines. I'm working for the investment bank doing the consulting now. So luckily I don't have, but uh, yeah, I, no, I don't know. This if one, I'd do that. I, I found this one very realistic too, because they had uh, uh hydro hydrochloroquine in it. Yeah. I love <laughs> that. They actually use, yeah, they use chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine. No, I mean, I mean like the, the, they showed idea, it. the fake one. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, that that part was really cool too actually like the spread of false information like society basically going crazy and like rioting and so here's the thing that's actually really interesting i thought is so i don't know what the r not of covid19 is but the r not of the virus in contagion is like around two but it's for sure much much less than that uh covid19 is that is so as scary as this sounds I could see like an alternate kind of reality, like another way this scenario would play out where if there was a more infectious virus that did have this delay and lethality, I could see a situation like that actually playing out in the real world, especially when you have a government that doesn't respond well, like in the US. <laughs> like it's it's scary, but like, I, I felt it was very accurate. I mean, and as a side note, all the scientific testing they do, like that was on point. Like, like the way they store it, all that stuff. Like, I love that shit. Like they they do that like the way I used to do it in the lab. So they just showed it on screen a little bit faster, which <laughs> yeah. I appreciated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Also, the uh, the R naught of COVID nineteen is a medium median of five point seven. Seriously, I just looked it up. So I guess it's the refract. Oh man, that's According great. To healthline.com. 
Right, but I guess the difference is the fatality is like 2%. Yeah, and the fatality of like the contagion one was like 20, 25%. They talked about right. having like 26 million deaths within like a couple months, so. Right. Interesting. I still think that could happen in the real world. Like, if if you were to get the contagion virus in 2019, like, like the way it played out, like, we'd be fucked. <laughs> I still think we'd be fucked. Especially because, like, I mean, the other thing that's kind of interesting that they highlight, too, is, like, the healthcare workers and, like, the effect on the people kind of, like, on the ground trying to, like, you know, cope with it and, like, how they eventually get sick because those are the people that are really the most at risk. And, like, yeah, I mean, I think we kind of forget about that part. Like, the CDC worker who's, like, there, like, the one that I mentioned before is, like, talking to Lawrence Fishburne. Like, she passes away during the middle of the movie. Like, literally, like, in the middle. Yeah, because you have, like, that one, like, the main whistleblower who was in Wuhan who ended up dying from it as well. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that seems like a realistic element to it. Uh, But it was interesting watching this and, like, certainly watching it right now and comparing it to, like, how the world has reacted right now. Because it's, like, the worst that that Steven Soderbergh could think of for this movie is, like, oh, a government official was corrupt and told their friend to get out of a city, or they were asking about who was paying for a gym. They were like, that's as bad as the as the social reaction is going to get, when in reality it's just like the president of the United States denying it even like infects anyone. It's like, I have no <laughs> idea. Yeah. I think the social aspect was actually maybe... I mean, it's, it's hard to say. It's like, the government handled it way better in contagion than in real life. But, like, society seems to kind of generally handle it-ish better in real life than in the movie. You know, like, in the movie, people, like, start rioting and, like, looting and... Hooray for us. I don't us. know. <laughs> Although, we, I guess that's kind of happened. Yeah, I mean, good point. Yeah, there was nobody, like, uh, like shaming them on social media about how they were acting at the grocery store, which I felt like actually... <laughs> kind of stemmed it a bit like in the initial like covid panic like there was all those like videos of people at grocery store acting appropriate and it's like oh you can't just like trample people to get the goods like you're going to be seen there's video cameras everywhere so it's like that almost helped stem the panic that was here yeah i can't i can't wait for the covid movie in 2025 i'm really looking forward to it (laughs) yeah i wonder wonder how they're gonna purchase like donald trump like i wonder what they're gonna do with him you know see I I always think about that like um movies that usually have like Obama or George W Bush in them like as like fiction movies like things that are not really happening but you still have a real president I wonder in like 5 to 10 years from now if they'll have those same movies like with set today so they have Donald Trump in them and if they would if they could have a movie like that with Donald Trump as a president and not have it about him yeah <laughs> Good yeah, like it, it would be interesting to have the the movie take place in like China and like deal with like all like because that would be the interesting element is like how it started. I think that's people what what people want to know right now. The other thing that was kind of interesting, I thought too, was how they actually like like they they don't really talk too much about quarantine, which is interesting. And if you notice, like most of those other movies we talked about, like you know, there's a city where there's something going on they like wall it off we didn't really do that to the same extent right like i feel like there there was more of an honor system in contagion which is 
kind of how it is like in COVID-19. Like if you have symptoms, you know, you show your symptoms, you go, you get tested, you get quarantined off. And that's what they were doing with COVID. And also kind of, I mean, I would imagine that's what was happening in contagion while like, you know, details weren't there, but they didn't go to the extreme of saying like it came into this city, like wall that off. The, the reason why I think that's interesting is because that's usually how like real pandemics actually happen when there's something that is kind of perceived as like benign or like not that lethal initially. And then they're like, oh, it's just the flu, right? Like, fine, we'll kill you. And truth is like COVID, it wouldn't really kill you. Although I would imagine with contagion that it would like, because people died from this, it would have been taken a bit more seriously. You know, like the like patient zero who like basically gave it to her family and all that, like she had like a seizure. Like you would think that because that happens, like people would have taken it a bit more seriously and tried to like wall off cities, but I guess maybe it spread too fast so they didn't have the chance to do that. I don't know, I'm just trying to Yeah, like, it's almost like that, that concept of having a, a city where it diseases and you can just wall it off. It's like in, in today's world, like that doesn't exist anymore. Like by the yeah. time you notice that something is infectious and is uh, troublesome, like it's already in other cities. I mean, like she got it in Hong Kong, spread it in Chicago and then went back to her town. So it was already into other places by the time she died. And it's like, I, I feel like I, I, that's why it'll be interesting to go back and see like the whole COVID investigation, because like there was obviously a lot of global attention around Wuhan at that time, but it seemed like at that point it had already spread out. Like it was already in other places before they knew about it. No, that's true. With yeah, with Wuhan, that definitely was the case. I mean, actually, there's like some like scientific articles about that. How it was first reported, I think, in December in China or January. I forgot. If you actually were to track back based on the number of cases in Wuhan, though, it supposedly actually started in like mid to early November. If you look at how rapid the exposure was, which means that people knew about it for a while and they were in China and they were kind of keeping that quiet, which is, yeah, obviously not good. But obviously, like the first few cases, like it's going to take longer to spread because there's less people. And then all of a sudden, the more people, then it accelerates like super, super fast. So I can see it being around for a couple of months and people just being like, oh, there's a bit of a more dangerous bug, but you don't really have the attention on it. Like, like I don't know what the, the warning system is like for identifying something as being a more credible threat than like the average flu. Like, I don't know if you're aware of what those systems look like, but. Yeah. I mean, there are certain systems for that, which is actually it's calculating the R naught. So if you have something where you haven't seen it before and trying to grow it and then seeing how frequently this keeps popping up, that is how you would kind of get alerted to it. So actually to that point, what's really interesting is apparently like, certain sites of infectious disease surveillance in China, they're actually not that well-funded. And that is kind of what, like, people are blaming in terms of the Chinese government right now is that, like, they could have detected this if there was, like, more money in terms of surveillance. Like, for example, like, in Canada, we're really good at that. Like, we we are monitoring things literally constantly. And things that, like, like you wouldn't even know about it. It wouldn't be in the news because we basically, like we react before anything would happen. And, and, you know, China is just so big and there's just so many people, so it's much more difficult to do that. So that's kind of part of why that happened, I think. 
it's so it's I guess to your point, like it's it's the rate of spread. So how rapidly you see new cases, and also how rapidly you see new deaths because of it. But again, because it only kind of kills older people, so those initially thought of that's really why. Um, there was one last thing I wanted to mention, which I thought was really neat that they did in Contagion, which is the whole you know the whole bat pig thing, like you know the <laughs> at the very end where they show how it's. That, that, I thought that was actually really cool because bats, so scientifically, bats have actually very, very strong like antivirus components in their immune system, if you will. Like they, they have very strong immune systems against viruses. And because of that, they're kind of like breeding grounds for really infectious viruses because the ones that can basically leave a bat and go to another organism, the fact that it came from the bat in the first place and was able to infect that bat and stay there means that it's going to be already a really infectious virus. So don't eat bats. <laughs> <laughs> no, it seems like a contingent, like, because we talked about before, that, like, Andromeda Strain had, like, a lot of science, but it's, like, nobody wants to watch a two-hour movie of just science. And I feel like they mm -hmm. did a really good job of striking, like, like kind of what the stuff you're talking about, where they did their homework, they did their research to base it in good things, and then they made a compelling human drama around it, as opposed to having one overpower the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Also, Contagion is one of my favorite movies, but I'm, but yeah, I mean, for obvious reasons. <laughs> I was actually surprised you didn't use that one to introduce yourself. Uh, last episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't want to, I didn't want to give spoilers away. Oh, true. Yeah. Steal the thunder from the next one. Yeah. That's fair. Anyway, well, this has been a great discussion, and I'm glad you were able to bring this level of intellectual discussion, which is probably a first in all our 30-some episodes. Uh, so so thank you for that, and thank you for informing us on this. Uh, and I think we are going to end it there. So thank you Wait. for... Is there anything you guys are looking forward to? <laughs> in oh, the next true. month or so? No, sorry, in, oh. in terms of movies, which is tough, oh, because <laughs> nothing is coming out, Yeah, pretty much. I am I perpetually looking forward to Tenet, uh, although it has been pushed back yet again. Yeah. Uh, if COVID had not happened, I would have already seen Tenet. So that's my... Uh, I shouldn't say that's my most upsetting news in a summer where my wedding has been downgraded. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I heard that they were going to make another Shrek and then it got canceled. But I don't know if that's a rumor or not. And I love Shrek. Damn. They should. Oh. You know what? They, now that you mention it, I feel like they should just be cranking out all these animated movies because you can film them or film them. You can create them without being in the same room as someone else. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> Maybe that'll happen more in the future. But like, no, like there's a bunch of movies that I'm surprised they're not releasing right now. Like the new Mutants was filmed like two years ago, and they're like trying to delay that. And it's like, hey, just who's gonna make the first big movie and charge everyone like twenty bucks to buy it online and like. Like, fuck, I would. I don't care. And then make no. no money because two people will buy it and then spread it to everyone else. <laughs> I think yeah, enough people I've... will buy it. No, I know, I know. But also, uh, on that note, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, being disappointed by Mulan on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I thought it wasn't getting released anymore. Oh, I don't know. I just, I'm speaking out, like, I, out my ass. It, it has actually been pulled indefinitely. There is no release date for Mulan right now. 
Really? Oh, yes. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot of controversy I, around that. I'm not going to get my my uh, my equivalent of Mina's Aladdin. Yeah, I'm disappointed. <laughs> I loved Aladdin. This is my story. <laughs> I was a street rat. <laughs> and now you're Hulk. Erg. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. right, Well, well, that's what we're looking forward to, and uh, I guess we'll we'll see you again soon for another review episode, and then switch back to one of these segment episodes. Well, thanks for joining you two, and uh, bye. (laughs) Bye. At we have a podcast on Instagram. Peace.